I want to welcome you to the Seed to Tree podcast, where we explore the spiritual journey and practices that can deepen our walk with God. My name is Josiah Pyatt, and I am not an expert on this subject. Instead, I am an explorer who's seeking to share with you all that I discover on this journey. Whether you are curious or committed or committed to being curious with walking with Jesus, my hope is that these videos or these, however you're consuming this information, would be helpful for you in your walk with God. When I think about the spiritual journey, I have to begin by talking about prayer because prayer is so essential. I look at prayer like it's breathing. You know, there is no life that you and I get to live without breath. And yet when you think about how significant that is, but what it actually translates to is something very simple. <sighs> Breathing in and out. And yet it's part of every day that we will ever live on this earth. Prayer is a similar thing in the spiritual journey. It is essential. It is so important. And yet at the same time, it can be very simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. I think for me, when I look at the journey with God, I don't think there's a way to journey with God without prayer being a part of it. And so that's why I really wanted to dive into prayer as our first real exploration. I want you to look at this like traveling into a national park. You know, this is not me talking about something that is mechanical. If you're on YouTube, you can find YouTube clips on how to change the oil in your car or how to uh, build something like a birdhouse. You know, those are mechanical things. When we're talking about prayer, we're not talking about something that's mechanical. We're fundamentally talking about something that's mystery. And therefore, as we approach this conversation, I just want you to be mindful that this is a mystery primarily. This is not something mechanical. So I'm gonna do my best to talk to you about the things that I've learned, the things that I've been exposed to within prayer, but at the end of the day, there is so much mystery wrapped around this conversation. So please don't approach this teaching as if this is a step program where you just do one, two, three things and then everything gets better. I think life is a lot more complex with that when it comes to things that I would put in the category of mystery, like prayer. So the first thing I want you to kind of note is just that this is not me telling you how to pray. I don't believe that there's only one way to pray. I think there are so many different ways to pray. And so this video, this episode, we're gonna dive into all sorts of subjects. I'm gonna explain to you my response to what prayer is and why it's important. But then a real big chunk of this episode is going to be focused on how to pray. I really believe that there are so many helpful ways to pray that I was unaware of even in my uh, long journey with Jesus. You know, I used to live with these Germans uh, in Toronto and it was awesome. We learned, I learned so much from them and uh, it was a really fun time. But one of the things that was really interesting to me, just like a kind of shallow thing to notice was that even though we both had similar laptop brands, the way that they charged their laptop was different than me. You see, I could just take my laptop and plug it into the wall and get the power for the laptop. But for them, they had to actually use an adapter with their laptop charger in order to be able to plug into the wall. I say this because I think there are some of us who have no idea how to plug into God. We have no idea how to pray. We have no idea how to connect 
to the source of life. And at the same time, I actually think there's many of us who have connected to God in prayer, but find ourselves in a place of disconnection now. And what I want to propose to you at the start of this video is that I don't think that disconnection speaks to sin in your life or brokenness in your life. What I actually think it speaks to is the fact that you are in a different place in your journey with Jesus. In the same way that my plug, if I went to Germany, wouldn't work in their, uh, to get power, I need an adaption. I need, I need a piece that can, can reorientate it so that I can have access once again to the source of power. I think in the same way, many of us followers of Jesus, if we're honest, when we look at our prayer life, it can be summarized in, I need help and thank you God for helping me. And although that is a beautiful way to connect to God, especially when you're in the beginning of your journey, there's actually so many other ways to connect to God. And we're gonna explore that today in this video. So whether you're in the beginning journeys watching this and you're like, I just don't even know how to pray, this video will hopefully be helpful for you. But maybe you're sitting here and if you're honest, you're saying, hey, I'm trying to pray, but I feel so much disconnection. Well, my hope for you today is that something in this episode can be helpful for you. Now, with that being said, another caveat I have to say is that you know, I'm speaking out of my own experience and my own exploration through education, through the books that I've read, through the people that I've walked with um, over the years. And so in some ways, this video is extremely limited to my own perspective, to my own experience and to my own exposure. Um, and so with that, this is not an exhaustive way of connecting to God, but it is, I think, helpful. And I hope that it will be. We're going to talk about what prayer is, why it's important, and the so many different ways to connect to God um, that have been used throughout history. We're going to talk about the early church. We're going to talk about the Desert Fathers. We're going to talk about different ways of praying, like um, some of them you'll be familiar with, I'm sure, which is just kind of like the conversational prayer, but other things you maybe not have heard of before, like body prayer or contemplation or Lectio Divina or Visio Divina or formational prayer, healing prayer, deliverance prayer, intercession prayer, praying in tongues. Uh, we're going to get into all of those different things at different points of this conversation. Uh, with that being said, if you can't tell, this is going to be a lot. This is not um, going to be, this is not inspirational. Hopefully it's more educational. And so I want you to look at this episode in that lens from the, from the sense of saying, take your time with this. I'm not expecting someone to hit play on this and then to listen to the whole thing. Um, this is might this might even be released in segments. I'm not sure yet how I'm going to do that. But, um, what my, my hope is for you is that if you finish this video, if you finish this episode, that you'll walk away with a better understanding of what prayer is, why it's important, and many practical different ways of praying that hopefully you can apply to your own walk with God. Again, whether you're curious about Jesus or whether you're committed, um, I'm hoping that there'll be something here for you. So with that being said, I want to begin by defining what prayer is. So what is prayer? I think, put shortly, prayer is connecting to God. If I were to put it in a longer sentence, which if you know me, you know that won't be hard to do, uh, I would say prayer is connecting to God through our intentions, our attention and expression on the pillars of humility and honesty, all wrapped in God's love and mercy. 
I know that's a mouthful, but that's essentially what we are going to walk through in this conversation around prayer, because I think this is a, a really good way to kind of lay out the trail, if you will, of, of what prayer is and, and the territory that we get to walk in with Jesus. With that being said, look at me as like almost like a trail guide where we're going to go to different points of the area, but I might not sit there for a while. It's more about to expose you to that area, invite you to explore it yourself, and then you can continue on in this journey with prayer. I hope that makes sense. Um, so with that being said, uh, what is prayer? Prayer is connecting to God. Prayer is connecting through our intentions, our attention, expression on the pillars of humility and honesty and wrapped in the mercy and love of God as revealed in Jesus Christ, if you want to get technical. Um, hopefully, if it worked, there'll be a diagram if you're watching on YouTube or on Spotify. And if not, on the show notes of this video or in the podcast notes, there'll be a PDF or some sort of file that can give you that layout. Um, hopefully, that can be helpful for you as we walk through this. So if we're going to begin this journey on prayer and into prayer, I think we have to begin with one of the pillars. So there's two pillars that I'm saying, which is humility and honesty. So let's begin with humility. Humility is a human in need. Uh, for me, what I think about when I think about humility in prayer, I actually think about the first three steps in most step or 12 step programs. I'm not sure if you've been through a program or if you're familiar with the programs like AA or NA, and there's a bunch of different ones. Uh, but if I were to summarize the first three steps in my own words, it would be, I need help. I have nothing in me that can get me out of this. That's step one. Step two is there is a helper that's outside of me. And step three is <laughs> I'm willing to receive that help. I think every kind of prayer that we're going to explore in this episode all begins or all is required within it is this posture and position of humility saying that i am a person in need that i need something outside of myself and if you think about it to pray is kind of a weird thing like you're you're talking out loud but there's technically potentially no one in the room unless you're praying with other people but the person that you're talking to isn't in the room necessarily from the vis like you don't it's not like you get to see Jesus when you pray physically in front of you, the way that I get to talk to my wife, Carolee, who's physically in front of me. And so there is this strangeness with prayer that, that is by, by, by omission, by admitting, by saying, dear God, we are immediately identifying that we are talking to something outside of ourselves. And so in some ways you could say that we are positioning ourselves in a need, a need for something to happen or maybe just a need for connection to something outside of us, right? So no matter what, every prayer is in this foundational position of need. It's in this position of need, but just like the step, first three steps, the third step is posturing ourselves in a place to receive help. And so I think in a lot of ways, when we pray, we are positioning ourselves in this place of need while posturing our hearts saying we are open to receive the help. And so to me, I don't think we can begin our journey into prayer without this pillar of humility, which is that we are human in need. Um, now this leads us to the second pillar because I think there's another foundational part of prayer that is so important and that, that is the pillar of, um, of honesty. 
You see, with prayer, uh, there's this great guy. We're going to be talking about him uh, throughout this episode, I'm sure. And his name's Anthony Bloom. He's a Russian Eastern Orthodox uh, priest. And he wrote this book called Beginning to Prayer. It's very helpful. Um, yeah. And, and in that, he talks about how uh, all prayer begins inward. And what he means by that is when we address God, we address him with what's within us, as in the desires of our heart, the fears of our heart, the, the dreams, the situations, the emotions, the all the things that are going on in us or around us. That's all inward things that we are now expressing to God. Um, and so the beginning journey of prayer is inward. Well, if the beginning journey of prayer is inward, there is no going inward without honesty. If we don't, if we're not honest before God, then we can't really go anywhere in prayer. We can't really get anywhere. Um, so I want you to remember if, if the first pillar is humility, human in need, the second pillar is honesty, which is the best policy for prayer. Now, here's, here's where it gets a little bit nuanced, is that you can't, sometimes we don't know that we're not being honest. Like, I don't have awareness of my motivations for this video, for example. I may think I have good motives for why I'm wanting to do this, but ultimately, I don't know. <laughs> and there's probably a mixture of good motives and bad motives and everything in between. And so when I'm saying that honesty is a pillar for prayer, I think what I mean more nuancing is saying the, the, the desire and the willingness to try to be honest is what's so important in prayer. You know, often when I approach God to prayer, not every time, but when I, when I have that space to, to connect to Him, I've been praying this prayer to begin. And it's kind of like a posturing prayer. No one taught me this. It's just something that I found helpful for myself. And what I say often is something along the lines of, uh, God, help me today to be with you in this moment, not how I want to be or how I think you want me to be, but how I actually am. And what I'm trying to do there as I reflect on that now is I'm trying to be honest. I'm trying to say, Lord, help me to be honest with myself and with you where I am. Uh, to go even more nuanced, uh, Jesus in the Gospels, he never demanded anyone to follow him. Think about that. He never demanded anyone to follow him. Instead, he invited everyone to. You see, Jesus, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are not demanding. They are invitational. And that invitation allows us to have a response. God will not shine light on areas in our life without us giving him permission to. Now, we can have life expose the heck out of us, and there's a whole <laughs> side trail conversation we could not fall into right now. Um, but my point is to say that even with prayer, God is invitational. So God isn't going to shine his light on parts of us that we're not willing to show him. With that being said, like I said, there's a lot of parts of me that I don't even know need to be shined on. And so to be honest is more to be vulnerable. It's to say, Lord, I don't know and help me to have greater awareness of the things within me and around me. It's posturing ourselves in this place of saying, yes, I'm in need, but Lord, I need you even with my need to be honest. <laughs> and yet at the same time, if we are not honest in prayer, then we will not experience his presence in the way that I think we have the opportunity to. 
because God wants to fill all of us with his spirit. And that is a beautiful thing that's for Christians and non-Christians, people who are still curious about following Jesus. Uh, that invitation is for every person that you've ever met or will meet. And that invitation is for you. As someone who said yes to Jesus, that invitation is still there. Every time we pray, we are positioning ourselves in a place of allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us once again. But that filling is an invitation. It's not a demand. And so to be honest with God in prayer is so crucial. We need to be honest with how we're feeling. Some of us don't know that it's okay to be mad at God. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to at times cuss and 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 swear and and question and 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 express doubt and insecurity and and anger. Now, you might be like, "How the heck can you say that, Josiah?" Well, I can say that because the Bible, the Psalms, the book in the Bible called the Psalms, um, many, whether you're Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant, non-denominational, if you don't know what that means, don't worry about it for now. But it doesn't matter what background of faith you come from within Christianity, everyone agrees that the Psalms are the prayer book of the people of God. The Psalms are the prayer book for the people of God. And in the Psalms, we see all emotion being expressed towards God. Anger, love, pleasure, joy, peace, celebration, distress, failure, everything. And so if we are allowed to be able to bring those things to God in prayer, uh, we can't bring what we're not honest with. And so some of us actually might be watching this. We're going through something tough and we need to be honest with the Lord that it's tough. And we need to be honest that it's mad, that's, that it's getting us angry or that it's causing us to doubt him or to feel insecure. Like there's all sorts of things that we need to be honest with the Lord about. I don't want to go too much farther there because of where we're heading and how much more we have to travel. Um, but what I do hope that you're hearing so far is that all prayer is held up by two pillars humility we are humans in need and honesty which is the best policy even when we don't know what honesty looks like god is willing to help us become more aware of the things within us and around us and how it's impacting us uh, in any given moment in any given day so hopefully uh, you've been tracking so far where we are now we're going to head into, I guess you could say, the first real section of the national geographical space that we are traveling in, which is prayer. I'm going to drink some of my good coffee. Oh, that is very good. I work at a coffee shop, and so I get access to really good coffee, which is nice. <laughs> Sweet. So what is prayer? Prayer is intentional, attentional and expression to God on the pillars of humility and honesty and love and mercy. I'm going to say that a lot through this video, so hopefully it can get into us and into our system. But we're going to begin this journey into what do I mean by the prayer is intentional? If you go back to that image about the Germans and the plug, you can't plug something in without making a conscious mental decision and then physically you have to plug something in. It's no different in prayer. Prayer, sorry, prayer requires intentionality 
physically and mentally. We have to physically posture and position ourselves in a place of prayer. And we have to mentally, consciously decide that we're about to pray. To, to pray, sorry. And so prayer requires prayer, a part of prayer, the beginning of prayer is intentionality. We don't pray without intentions. We don't plug into the source of life without mentally choosing and physically doing the things. And so I want us to begin to explore what do I even mean by intentions? Well, before I say what that is, I wanna say why it's important. There is no connection to God without our intentions. It's not possible. In the same way that you can't plug in, a laptop isn't gonna charge itself, there has to be a plug to plug it in. With God and with prayer, there is no prayer without intentions. And so what do I mean by intentions? Like I said, it's the body and the mind, but how has that actually translated? And this is where we're actually gonna go into a little bit of history because I am certainly not the first person to raise this question or to raise this observation. And so if you're someone who likes learning about history and the ways in which other Christians or other people have processed the spiritual journey, um, you can read people like the early church fathers, the desert fathers, you can go into medieval time mystics and also like mainstream Catholicism, Augustine, uh, into like Martin Luther, John Calvin, we're talking in the Protestant Reformation. There's all sorts of people. Well, that's my point. There's all sorts of people you can dive into to learn about the spiritual journey. And my goal in this isn't to say I agree with everyone that I'm about to mention or that whatever. My intentions are to, I guess, expose you to different people and the ways in which they've processed this question of intentions. And so the way the language that's been used to describe intentions, I would say like any good Christian <laughs> that follows Jesus, we tend to answer difficult questions with more difficult questions. And so even Jesus in the gospels, often he'll be asked a question and he'll respond with a question. And in the same way, this question of, so what are our intentions? What does that actually look like? I would say uh, historically, the church has asked that question through the questioning of, uh, when do we pray and what do we pray? So when do we pray and what do we pray? That is the real question behind what in intentions are in prayer. Now, to go farther more, the language that has been used to describe the response to that question, when do we pray and what do we pray, would be the language of, I'm using uh, structured prayer or spontaneous prayer. What I mean by structure is when do we pray? Do we have specific times within our day or within our life that we are like, this is the time to pray? And at that space, is there certain things what we actually pray? That's structure. The other question is, on the other side, is spontaneity. Spontaneity is saying we pray whenever we want, whatever we want. Now, in history, I would say the history of the church you can see many different people talk about this conversation um, in different ways whenever they dive into the subject about prayer. Often, if you're reading uh, church fathers, Orthodox, uh, Protestants, I would say most of them, the, the language of structure will be often in the language of the offices or fixed hour prayers. This is important to know, especially if you're going to read some of the books that I suggest 
uh, in the show notes about just if you want to dive deeper into these things, you're going to read the word fixed hours or offices. And what they really are saying is structured prayer. They're saying this is when you pray and often they'll follow up with that with this is what you pray at that time of day. Then the spontaneity, sorry, I'm struggling to say that word, is whenever, whatever. So structure, spontaneity. Let's dive into structure first and then we'll go into spontaneity after. So when do we pray and what do we pray? The, the word that the when would be in the language of offices or fixed hours and the what would be in the language of liturgy, meaning it's something that's been decided by either a group or an individual person that says this is what these are the literal words that you pray. Almost like how when Jesus teaches the disciples, he said, this is how you pray. And then instead of saying like, philosophy behind prayer he says no our father in heaven hallowed be thy name he gives them the layout he gives them the liturgy he tells them what to say so if structure is about when which is fixed hour or offices then the what is the liturgy so where we want to begin i want to say that um i'm not a historian just like i'm not an expert on the spiritual journey so I will provide, hopefully in the show notes, some sort of bibliography or references of books that you can dive into that will hopefully help you explore these things farther. But my intentions in this section of the episode is to expose you to the way that many Christians throughout history have thought about this question of how do we be intentional in prayer? So literally, from the very beginning, there's this document that we're talking, I'm talking beginning from like Jesus and the birth of the church. Um, it, it's somewhere between 60 AD to 90 AD, depending on who you read. There's this document that they found called the Diadach. Uh, I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but in Greek, Diadach, I believe means teaching. I don't know if it's Greek, but I'm pretty sure it's Greek. Um, and essentially what this document was, was teaching that they found from the early church. We're talking like really, really early on. And in that, there was all these instructions that were given to the first early church Christians. This document was so important. It actually was almost considered to be part of the canon, as in part of the Bible, part of a book of the Bible. Uh, but through a series of events, they decided not to put it in there. Now, I don't want to... <laughs> I gotta be careful about this. I am not necessarily saying to you that this book is the answer to how to be a Christian. But what I want to say to you is that this letter, these documents are really cool because they give us a window into the understanding of how the early church wrestled with who Jesus was and what it meant to follow him. And furthermore, what to do with the Bible, like what to do with the other letters that they were reading from Paul and from Peter and from James and from John, right? They, they were all wrestling with what does it mean to follow Jesus, <laughs> just like us today. And so what I find interesting about the Diadech is it gives us a window into what they were wrestling with and some of their responses to what it means to follow Jesus. So what's wild to me and what I want you to pay attention to is one of the instructions in the Diadach actually talked about this idea of intentionality in prayer. And what it said was that we Christians, I'm not quoting it directly, so know that I'm paraphrasing, but essentially it was saying that Christians need to pray three times a day the Lord's Prayer. 
Remember I said earlier that Jesus actually taught his disciples how to pray with liturgy or with an exact way with what to say. Or interestingly enough, the early church, it was a common practice that at morning, at noon, and at night, Christians would take time and literally recite and they would pray to God the Lord's Prayer. Now, I don't believe at that time, I don't think time, they definitely didn't have watches. I know that much. I know, again, not a historian. So I don't know how they determined this specific moment, but I do know the morning, noon, and night, they would all recite the Lord's Prayer. This was something they were encouraging the early Christians to do. And this is in like the first century of Christianity. If you go into the second century of Christianity, or third, second or third, depending on who you're reading, origin of Alexander, who's one of the church fathers, again, not going to get into all of this, but he describes and instructs the church, and he says to pray seven times a day. He talks about uh, seven uh, offices or hours, and he bases this off a Psalms that talks about praising God seven times a day. Now, if you go into the fourth century or third century, again, I don't really know how it works, but you've got this guy named St. Basil. St. Basil also encourages, he's one of the beginning people of the monastic movement, and he teaches his followers, his fellow uh, followers of Jesus, to pray seven times a day. St. Benedict in the sixth century, who's a very famous uh, monastic movement, uh, his rule of life, in his rule of life, he encourages the Christians to pray, what do you know, seven times a day. And you can see this in every generation being affirmed. To this day, there are St. Benedict, Benedict monks who pray seven times a day. There are so many different followers of Jesus that teach and follow this idea of we are going to pray at a specific time and we're going to pray specific prayers. My intentions behind this is to say to you, what, no matter where you find yourself in this smorgasbord of options for what it means to follow Jesus and denominations and orthodoxy and Christ, uh, Catholics and Eastern Orthodoxy and all these different things. doesn't matter what kind, what kind of walk of life of Christianity that you identify with. From very early on, we see that the Christians had this idea or this understanding that we need to be intentional in prayer and what that intentionality looks like is praying at specific times of day, praying specific words. Now, again, I am not an expert, but instead I'm trying to help expose you to other things that maybe you didn't know before. And my intentions behind this part is to basically say to you, if every generation of Christians has decided that it is important to be intentional with fixed times of the day to pray, why would you and I not at least consider <laughs> that it might be important for you and I to have a healthy relationship with Jesus? Now, I understand that there are dangers with this, and we're going to talk about that, but regardless of that, I do think if we're going to humbly walk with the Lord and we look at the past to help understand what that can look like, I think it's clear that with if we are going to take seriously what it means to pray, we have to at least consider what intentionality can look like within having set times to pray. So very quickly, what could this practically look like for you and I today? I would say a really practical thing is if you're watching this, it means you have technology. 
So I would say on your phone, you could literally set an alarm at certain times of the day and when it goes off, it's a reminder to pray. Now, if you want to, um, yeah, so for the fixed hour part, I would say literally you could use your phone and say at these times I'm going to pray. I would also say if you're someone who's ever gone on retreats, uh, following the seven offices and actually doing it at the set times can be a really interesting way of connecting to God. Um, and I think it's worth exploring. I don't think it's realistic for most people that are working or have families or, or you know, in this living this Western pace of life to say you're going to pray at seven fixed times a day because that seven is like three in the morning, six, nine, twelve. Like it's it's pretty full on. So I think realistically, it probably can look like just putting an alarm on your phone and saying, when this phone goes off, I'm going to take a moment, right? Physically, I'm going to posture myself in a moment and mentally, I'm going to create the space to connect to God um, in that space. Now, what do we pray in that moment if we want to uh, be intentional and structured uh, with the prayer? This is where I want to say, I'm going to say things that I'm going to some are gonna be more explorative than others. Let's say it like that. Some of these things are gonna be more explorative than others. And I understand that some people may be very uncomfortable with some of these things that I'm suggesting. I'm aware of that. But I'm gonna suggest it anyways because I think it can be helpful. So I'll start with the things that are less explorative, let's say. I would say if you're gonna do uh, a fixed hour, let's say your, your alarm goes off and then it's like, do you wanna be specific about what you're praying? I would recommend reading a psalm a day. So let's say today you're on Psalm 1. So whenever your phone goes off, you read Psalms 1 and you pray that to the Lord. You, you read it out loud and you, you address God in prayer and then you read it out loud to Him and you just sit with those words. And so at morning, noon, and night, that's what you're going to do. You're going to read a psalm a day until you get through all the psalms. Uh, that would be a way of following a liturgy without it being uh, something that isn't found within scripture specifically. Another thing you could do is like the early church in the diadach, you could literally recite the Lord's prayer every time the phone alarm goes off. Um, those would be ways to, I would say, have a set liturgy that is strictly reciting scripture, uh, which is really important and really helpful. Now, if you are feeling more explorative, uh, what you could do is, here, if you're watching on YouTube, this is a book. I'll have the notes in the in the guide. I promise this is not an ad. Um, this is just one that I've used in the past. It's called A Guide to Prayer for All God's People. And um, this is a book that basically has written out prayers that can be very helpful. It, it's almost like a devotional, if you're familiar with that kind of way of connecting to God. Um, but in it, there's actually set out liturg liturgy prayers. There's prayers that you can pray in that. Uh, another very popular one would be the Common Book of Prayer, if you're familiar with Anglicanism. A more modern example would be, I'm just going to read it because I, I don't want to mess up his name, but Strahan Coleman has prayer volumes. They're quite interesting. Um, again, these aren't ads. These are just suggestions. Uh, another thing that you could use is the, the app. Uh, Lectio 365 is a great fixed hour prayer app. So in the mornings, it has like a, a thing you just hit play and it'll read it out to you and can connect to God in that way. So the point is to say, to get to this place, is that structure is important in prayer. If we're going to ask the question, how do we be intentional? Well, it begins, the, the, the really translates into, are we 
structural in prayer or are we spontaneous, uh, spontaneous in prayer? And I think um, hopefully what you can see is that there is definitely a precedent to say, hey, we need to be intentional with prayer. And that intentionality looks like we're going to have structured, fixed times that we pray to God. And, and in that fixed time, we are going to have set ways of praying. Uh, this is a legitimate way of doing this. And, and so I want to kind of now say, what are some of the benefits if we were to apply this to our life? Uh, I think first and foremost, it creates a rhythm in your life, which I think is so helpful. So if you have fixed hour prayers, then you have this set rhythm of connecting to God. You're not going to... Uh, kind of rely on your own ability to remember to pray. Instead, you're going to have this thing remind you of your phone, your alarm, whatever it is, uh, to be able to prompt you to that it's time to pray, which creates then this pattern, this rhythm. Neurologically, uh, if I'm not a historian and I'm not an expert on spiritual journey, I'm also not a neurologist, okay? In case you're catching, catching the theme. But at the same time, it's true that neuro neurologically, the more you do something, the more synaptic connections you have, which creates habits and habits create lifestyle. And so if you were to do this over a long period of time, what you're actually doing is creating this neurological connection, this habit, this thing that can turn into a lifestyle, a rhythm of prayer. Um, so the more that you do this, the more it becomes natural as opposed to maybe superficial at first when it's kind of something that you're getting used to, just like any habit that turns into a lifestyle. I think finally, a benefit that I see in this is if you're intentionally connecting to God in the morning, the noon, and the night, what you're doing is you're creating more opportunities for your awareness, to God, awareness of God in your day. Uh, which is super helpful and really a great thing to do, I think. Now, there are dangers to this, and I want to mention some of them that I came up with. The one is that this can really quickly turn into duty as opposed to devotion or relationship with God. You know, as a follower of Jesus, I believe there's nothing we can do that makes us more worthy of the God's love. There's nothing we can do. Jesus did enough. <laughs> And so to pray seven times a day or three times a day or to not at all doesn't change God's opinion on us. And what I would be cautious about is that if I were to do fixed hour prayers, that doesn't make me a better person than anyone around me. It doesn't make me more spiritual. It doesn't make me um, better. And I just want to make sure that's clear because this could really quickly turn into legalism and that's just not helpful. Uh, for you or for anyone around you. Uh, and, and so that kind of leads into my next danger where this, this can turn into obligation. You know, if this turns into my phone goes off, oh, I guess I have to pray. Uh, that's not good. That's not authenticity with the Lord. And so I would say that that can become a danger in this if we're not careful or if we're not aware of those things. Um, again, I already said this earlier, but uh, the final thing I would say is a danger is that I just don't think it's realistic that many Christians can pray seven times a day. I don't like in the sense of having fixed times. Like if you're like me, I work at a coffee shop as an hourly job, hourly wage job. And so it's not like I can just, um, yeah, I just, I think you understand what I mean when I'm saying, I don't think it's realistic that I'm going to wake up at three in the morning every day to pray and then six and then nine and never have like a full night's sleep. I don't think that's wise. And so I do think that although, yes, you can see this throughout history, 
I don't think that the way it was translated is for every person at every time. I do think it can be helpful for some people at some times. Now, to get a little bit personal before we end this time in structure, uh, in my own life, I don't have set uh, times in the sense of if you were on my phone, you're not going to see an alarm that says reminder to pray. However, I absolutely do have fixed moments in time that I pray, meaning every morning I pray. When I wake up, I pray. Uh, I pray usually during lunchtime, uh, whether it be at work when I get a break or just around lunchtime, I'll set aside time to pray. And it's, it's intentional and it's every single day, or I try to be every single day. And then at night before I go to bed, uh, we have a dog and so I often walk my dog uh, <laughs> and my final walk of the day, I do a prayer of examine almost every single day, uh, which I can get into later what, what I mean by a prayer of examine. Um, and then right before sleep, I, I, I pray as well. And so although I don't have fixed prayers in the sense that I pray at uh, specific times of the day, I do pray at specific moments of the day every single day and I'm very intentional about doing that at morning, at noon, and at night. Uh, and I find that for me, the benefits of this has been, it allows my awareness of God to increase throughout my day. You know, I become more aware of Him and in that it's just, there's beauty that can be discovered through doing something like that. I also think it has helped me you know, become more dependent on God throughout my day. And it because I've created this rhythm of morning, noon, and night, it's when something goes wrong in my day, my automatic response is to turn to God in prayer. And I don't mean that to flex, but I'm saying that's what happens when you create rhythm and that rhythm turns into a lifestyle is that your body gets used to that way and then it becomes natural, which is really beautiful. And I'm very thankful for that. And I think that is a huge benefit of being structural or intentional with our prayer. And, and, and so, yeah, I want to kind of summarize and finish this part of the talk um, to say that, you know, we do need to be intentional in prayer. And in that, that intentionality looks like mentally and physically creating a space to connect to God. And Christians from the very beginning have been saying that one of the ways that we do this is through having a fixed time during our day that we're going to set aside to connect to God. And I think that is a beautiful and important thing that has been lost for many Christians and for others. Um, I just want to say, keep doing it and encourage you to, to keep going for it. And maybe if, if you are someone who has done that, uh, maybe try, try doing one of those prayer books or trying to read a Psalm every day or have, uh, have it not just be an intentional time, but an intentional from the time that you do it to what you're doing within that time. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to stop there and take a break as this has been a lot of information and, and we'll get back to it in a moment. So you might be watching this and at this point you might be saying, okay, so I'll consider the fixed hour thing. But are you telling me that's the only time that we should be praying? And the people I mentioned and myself as well would say, no, of course not. We should also pray like throughout our day um, for sure. And so that's where the spontaneous prayer is what we're going to dive into next. So if we if prayer is connecting to God intentionally and there is no connection without us being intentional with our mind and our body, then how does that translate it can also translate within the lens of we get to talk to god whenever we want about whatever we want 
And I do think that that is a legitimate way to pray. So this is where, again, different to structure, which says this is specific times when I pray and what to pray. Spontaneous, spontaneous prayer says we pray when we want, what we want. And I don't mean that in a negative way. So this is when you could literally start a random conversation with God at any point of your day. Um, this could be triggered through something that is beautiful that's happened. It could be triggered through something that's negative that's been happening and you just start bringing those things to the Lord. It could also just be a break in your day and you're like, you know what, I wanna talk to God. And so you just start talking to God and you start telling him what your day looked like or what you've been feeling lately or what you've been experiencing or maybe there's someone going through something difficult in your life and you wanna talk to God about it and you wanna pray for that person and, and ask God to help or to intervene in that space. Or maybe you'll uh, you know, do one of the a lot of different ways that, we've talk, that we will be talking about on how to connect with God. But what I want you to hear right now is to say spontaneous prayer is what, whenever I want and whatever I want, that's when I'm going to talk to God or that's when I'm going to connect with God. So I think that there's not really much to say about history in this. So we're going to dive right into the benefits of this idea of I'm going to pray when I want what I want. I think there's a lot of benefits to this way of praying. For one, I think like any relationship, it requires structure and spontaneity. You know, you don't have a relationship without being intentional, without saying, hey, we're going to spend time together. And so that happens through us organizing. That can happen through organization, but it also can happen spontaneously. You know, I think there's a lot of friends that I, if I were to think about it, some of my friends were met through intentions is in someone's like intentionally saying, hey, you should meet this person, while others have been through random encounters, spontaneous encounters, if you will. And, and so I think both are necessary and important in any relationship. And so why wouldn't the idea of pray to God whenever you want and whatever you want, why wouldn't that be important or at least part of the gig <laughs> in what it means to pray or to connect uh, with Jesus? So I don't think there's a negative inherently in this, in that sense. I think another one you could say for a benefit is that this is a very authentic way to have a relationship with God, right? If God isn't interested in us following a set path of rules and regulations, right? If that's part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is that we live through the liberty of the law of love and through the guidance of the Holy Spirit connected to community that's dedicated to walking with Jesus, which are a bunch of words that you can unpack in many different ways. But my point is to say that if we have real relationship with the Lord, then relationships are spontaneous at times. And so the idea of talking when you want, what you want, uh, to me feels very authentic and natural. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And I, and I think it speaks to the relationship that God wants to have with us, that it's not just like, hey, you only connect to me at these times or in these ways, but you get to do it in many different ways at many different times. I think another benefit to this is that God desires to know everything about us. He already knows it. But like I said in the very beginning of this video, Jesus is invitational. And so part of us bringing him into parts of our day or by intentionally uh, 
by intentionally spontaneously connecting with them what we're actually doing is we're inviting them into the space that we find ourselves in which is beautiful and really important um so in the same way that i would argue that fixed hours can bring our awareness of god throughout our day i would say so does spontaneous now there are some dangers with only spontaneously praying anthony bloom the guy that we've already talked about once before He describes that the danger of spontaneous prayer is that often the people who only pray through spontaneity are people who only talk to God when something is going terrible or really good. Celebratory or devastation is another way of of saying it. In other words, we only turn to God when things are good and we say thank you or we only turn to God when things are bad and we say help. And although God absolutely is good with and cool with us thanking him and asking him for help there's so much more to the relationship that he wants to have with us and the dangers of help me prayers and thank you prayers is that if that's the only way that we're connecting to god or if that's the only thing we're talking to god about then that relationship is extremely transactional and that is not what the lord desires to have with us he desires to have an intimate dynamic relationship with each of us and to only go to him for help or to thank him for things is to is to get an aspect of God and to miss out on a whole other dimension of the relationships that he, the relationship and the kind of relationship that he wants to have with us. And so I do think that um, that is a danger if you decide that I'm only going to pray when I want what I want. That's a very uh, yeah, that's a caution to have. The final caution I would say to have is that um, although some relationships may begin in spontaneity, none of them will be sustained through spontaneity. So you can have a relationship where you randomly bump into someone, but then if you want to actually continue that relationship, you have to make time for that person. You have to be intentional with that person. And so in the same way, if it's whenever, whatever, Although that is a way to have a relationship, I I suspect it's not the healthiest way to have that relationship. So with that being said, I think that um, there is things that is very helpful about having a spontaneous times with the Lord. But I do think there's something about having fixed times as well. So if you can't tell from the way that I've been talking about this, my argument along with many other christians would be we don't need to have one or the other this isn't an either or situation this is a both and situation another ways another way of saying it is that to be intentional with our mind and our body we do that through having moments of time that we've intentionally set aside to connect with god along with intentionally, spontaneously connecting to God throughout our day and any given moment. It's not either or, it's both and. So just like in any other relationship that we have in life, I think if we are pursuing a healthy, flourishing relationship, which is a beautiful pursuit to have, um, that requires fixed times and spontaneous moments to have with someone. And it's the same with the Lord. It's the same with the Father, Son, and Spirit. We need to have set times and also spontaneous times and sometimes set times to be spontaneous. Um, So that would be my way of saying this is the question. How do we 
What is prayer? Prayer is connecting to God through our intentions. And what does intentions look like? It looks like intentionally setting our minds and our body in a place that we are going to connect with God, which follows up to the question, when do we pray and what do we pray? And I think the answer is we pray at specific times, at specific points of our day, while also being open to the spontaneity of life and connecting to God at random points through that day. Now, I'm creating these videos for people who are curious about Jesus and people who are committed to Jesus. And so I want to have practical translations of suggestions for you, whether you're curious or whether you're committed. Um, so this is the part of the conversation that gets practical, hopefully. So if you are curious about following Jesus, what could this translate to you? I would say, I would say that if you're curious about following Jesus, I would invite you, I would say, why not try it? And say every morning you're gonna say a prayer and before you go to bed, you're gonna say a prayer. Um, I don't really care what you pray necessarily, but I'm just gonna say, let's challenge you. Let's start, let's start somewhere. If we're gonna start somewhere, why don't we start with every morning, I'm gonna make a decision to pray and every night I'm gonna pray. That would be a way to begin your journey into structured prayer. Now, a deeper step for someone who's more committed to the Lord, and I don't mean that as in you're better or worse, please don't hear it in that way, but if you would identify as someone who's saying, yeah, I've been committed to Jesus for a long time, what I would suggest to you within the language and within this framework of structure is what if you tried to pray a psalm a day? And so you decide that I'm gonna do prayer morning, noon, and night. I'll have a f alarm on my phone. And that may be a challenge for some of you, but for others of you, maybe you already have that rhythm, but maybe there's an invitation here to say, you know, at one point of those times, so maybe not all, not every morning, noon and night, but maybe every noon, instead of it just being another random conversation with the Lord, what if you committed it to a psalm or to the Lord's Prayer or to a common book of prayer or uh, the many different uh, suggestions that I've already given you? Um, maybe that would be a deeper step for you to take uh, in your walk with the Lord. Now, for spontaneous, some people just need to start talking to God. <laughs> you know, if you're curious about Jesus, maybe it's time to just start bringing him into the conversation. Uh, I don't mean this in a way of saying like, hey, you need to give him everything and you need to confess everything. No, no, no. Just start talking. Just start bringing the Lord into some of your day. Meaning just say, hey, hey God, you know, this is what I'm thinking about today. Or hey God, um, my friend's not doing so well. Can you help with that? Simple things. You'd be surprised how that can begin the journey into connecting with the Lord, even when you're not quote unquote committed. Uh, so for some of us, the spontaneity just needs to be to begin the conversation with God. Um, for those of us who have been having that conversation with God, I would say here's a deeper step, here's a deeper uh, suggestion. Again, this isn't the only way of doing it, it's just a thought, is uh, committing yourself to pray to the Lord during transitions of your day. So what I mean by that is, you know, maybe you go to work and there's a commute that you have, whether you take a bus or you drive or you get dropped off, whatever it may be, uh, what if during that transition you made a commitment to pray? So at that time of the day, you're going to pray. So at every point of transition, when you're going from one place to another or from one meeting to another or from one relational conversation to another, that in that in-between space, you're going to fill that 
time with the Lord. Uh, that might be something that could be helpful for you um, if you're looking for ways to spontaneously, intentionally to connect uh, to the Lord, which sounds like a contradiction, but I don't think it is. So, so, so far we've asked this question, what does intentionality look like? It looks like having structured time and spontaneous time to physically and mentally create space to connect to the Lord. Now, if you're like me, you're going to be asking this question. Okay. So now that we've had this time and we've, we've uh, set the time and we've put our space and we've, we've, we have the moment, what do we actually do with that moment. So if prayer is connecting to God through our intentions, which now we know our intentions are mental and physical, it's spontaneous and structured. What do we do with that space? What do we do with that time? Well, now there's the question of attention. What do I mean by attention? Put simply, attention is what we choose to focus on in any given moment. So if we are intentionally setting time to connect with God, where do we place our attention? Where do we place our focus? Why is this important to talk about attention? I think I have a surface answer and I would say a deeper answer. The surface answer would be our attention affects our affections. What we focus on really shapes us and reshapes us and it's really important. And so to not be intentional with what we are focusing on is to miss out on the ways in which we are being shaped and reshaped by the world within us and around us and the way that it all intertwines. So what we focus on really has a, a big influence and a significant impact in our prayer life and in our life in general. So attention is really important. Uh, there's a reason why entertainment and advertisements is all fighting for your attention. <laughs> okay, it's because it's significant. Uh, it's significant. And so attention, of course, is going to be important in prayer. Now, why do I think it's important on a deeper level? Attention, when we're attentional in our prayer, what we discover is that it's God who is attentional to us. That it's God who attends to us. That it's God who has affection for us. You see, attention is so important because um, when we set our attentions on God, what we discover is that His attention is upon us. And in that discovery, we become realized and awakened to this understanding, to this realization, to this revelation that it's Jesus Christ who wants to fill and reconcile all things to the Father through Him by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so to not have attention is to not discover this magnificent truth that the Lord is filling all things. Um, <laughs> again, to be where we began in this conversation, this is a mystery. Fundamental, fundamentally, this is a mystery. So although, yes, I'm getting practical and we're going to get even more practical about the ways to pray this is definitely where we're tapping into the land of mystery. Um, and I just want to acknowledge that. So as we talk about attention, what does that actually look like? So if we've set this, if we set the intention, you know, we've created the mental and the car and the physical space to connect to God. And now we're looking at focus. How do we, 
How, what do we focus on? What does that actually look like in any given moment in prayer? Well, if we, if we look at the language of sight or focus, that's kind of what I want you to think about when we're praying. So where do we set our vision? Where do we set our sight? Where do we set our focus in prayer? I'm not the first person to talk about this and <laughs> definitely won't be the last. And so hopefully uh, this can just be helpful for you. Uh, there's a book, again, I'm going to stop saying this is not an ad. So just assume if I'm suggesting something, it's not an ad. It's not sponsored. Uh, this is a book. If you're on YouTube, you can see it called Richard Foster. That's the author. And the book's called Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home. It's very helpful. Richard Foster is going to go through 21 different ways of connecting to God, 21 different prayers. Uh, it's very helpful. Again, I would suggest it to you. But what I want to say within that book is that he sets prayer through this framework that I find very helpful. I'm not going to use this framework in the same way that he does in this book. So if you read this book or you're going to read this book, you're going to see I'm not using it in the same way. However, I hope it doesn't contradict what he's saying. I hope it complements it. With that being said, Richard Foster talks about inward prayers, upward prayers, and outward prayers. That's how he structures his book. You go inward, you go upward, and then we go outward. And that's what I want you to remember for attention. So what does it look like for us to set our attentions? What are we focusing on? We're focusing upward towards God. We're focusing inward towards us. And then we're focusing outward towards the world around us. That is the framework in which we set our attention. Now, it is not linear. It is not stages. So it's not like you go up, you go down, you go out. It's, it's all intertwined within any and all prayer. It's upward, it's inward, it's outward, it's inward, it's upward, it's outward. Like it's all over the place is what I'm trying to say. So please don't read it as like a flow. It's more of just these are different aspects of our attention within any given prayer. As I've mentioned before, Jesus himself teaches his disciples how to pray which is awesome. It's awesome for a lot of reasons, but one reason it's awesome is because Jesus sometimes doesn't give us a real clear answer on some of the questions we might have in life. But when it comes to prayer, he actually lays out what prayer is, which is awesome and very helpful. And there's so many books and so many sermons and so many lectures and so many helpful things that have been written and talked about and discussed at length about the Lord's prayer. One quick example would be this very short book called The Lord and His Prayer by N.T. Wright. It's excellent if you're looking to dive into more of the historical literary context of the Lord's Prayer. I would definitely recommend it. Uh, but again, we're not going there right now. What I want us to look at is the Lord's Prayer through the lens of attention. Upward, inward, and outward. So we're just literally, this section is going to be different than the last. We're going to go through the prayer upward, inward, and outward. So... The Lord's Prayer. It's Matthew 6 is the one that I'm using. Um, I don't know what translation. Probably ESV. I imagine this is ESV. So the first line in the prayer. So we're going to dive into the Lord's Prayer through the lens of attention. As in focus. So where's the focus? What is Jesus saying? If he says this is how we pray, where's our focus? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Every prayer begins with this address. Now, it doesn't have to sound like that. It could be like, dear God, hey, Father, whatever. But there's an intentionality. There's an attention. There's a focus. There's a, there's 
a revelation in the attention in the prayer is our attention is found within who we are addressing, the Father. So every prayer begins upward from that lens. Now the rest of the prayer, he may say things about God or he may say things about the world around or things within, but all of it is within the address to the Father. That's important to know because all prayer is addressed to the Father, Son, and Spirit uh, if you're a follower of Jesus. So from this place of the attention being upward, where does he go? He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we'll break this into pieces. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That is the attention being upward. On earth as it is in heaven. This attention now is from looking at what's up to what's around us. It's outward. It's saying the earth, the places that we find ourselves in, the cosmos in a grand sense, and then also the specific places that we are in, in any given moment. So the attention's upward, and then it's also outward in this moment. Give us today our daily bread. Now, the daily bread could be physical bread, but it also represents need, right? If every prayer is humility, human in need, this is where we see some of that idea of being fleshed out. So what is the focus? Where is the attention? The intention is on our actual need, daily bread. Man's got to eat. So in prayer, we are absolutely given permission and invited to describing and explaining and expressing to the Lord the needs of our heart. We are allowed to focus our attention on our needs, on our desires, on ourselves to some degree. So the attention is upward, it's outward, that's the heaven on earth, and now it's also inward to our personal need, our physical need. Next line, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Here, the that it begins, our attention is inward, but instead of it being a physical need, now it's a physical, emotional, spiritual need, which is forgiveness. So it's inward, but now it's this internal, it's the desires, it's the brokenness, it's the need for healing, it's the need for forgiveness. And so the attention goes from upward to inward to now this place of deep inward, but then it says forgive us as we forgive others. So it's outward as well. So the attention is not only upward, it's inward, but it's also outward. Then he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So now here again, we see the attention, the focus is upward and inward. It's saying, this is what I want protection from. Okay, where are we now? Now, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. So it's upward and it's inward. Now, if you looked at everything we just talked about, the focus of the prayer, the focus of the, the section is that we are allowed in prayer, we're given permission, where do we set our attentions? We set our attentions inward, outward, and upward, basically everywhere, but we're intentional in each spot, right? It's not just this abstract thing, it's very practical. You know, we're asking the Lord for 
for, for bread. We're asking the Lord for forgiveness. We're asking the Lord for protection. We're asking the Lord for deliverance. We're acknowledging, we're praising who he is. We're thanking him for being holy, right? Like there's all these different things all seen within the Lord's prayer, but within the lens of attention, what we discover is that if we're gonna be intentional and attentional, we set our attentions through our address to God in, and then we express ourselves inwardly, outwardly, and uh, upwardly. And so that is the way I would frame this question of what does attention look like in prayer? It looks like setting our focus inwardly, outwardly, and upwardly in any given moment. So what does this practically look like? Here's where we're gonna dive into a lot of practical examples. Now, in the same way, in the last section, I said I'm going to be sometimes more explorative than others are comfortable with. This is going to be one of those situations where <laughs> there might be some prayers that uh, are more explorative than others. And I want to recognize that right off the bat. Uh, I am going to focus primarily on upward prayers right now. And that's mainly because the, the section that we're going to finish this whole talk in, which is expression, is very much more about... Um, I would say inward and outward prayers. And so I do wanna focus this part of the attention on upward type prayers. So the first upward prayer that I wanna to talk to you about is praying the Psalms. This is really beautiful. I've talked about it earlier, but I'm gonna kind of explain farther what I mean. So if the Psalms is the prayer book of the Bible, I would say it's super important and it can teach us a lot about what prayer is, but it also can actually practically be the prayers that we pray. And so, really simply, you could pray the Psalms through literally praying the Psalms, meaning you read it out loud. So you say, dear God, and then you read Psalm 1 and you read it verse by verse and you just address God with it and allow that to be your prayer. Um, that's one way to pray the Psalms. Another way to pray the Psalms would be to actually allow each verse to be a launching point into a conversation with God. I'll explain what I mean. So for example, I only know this because it's one of my favorite Psalms. So I'm not like just quoting some random verse, but Psalms 51 says, create in me a clean heart. Um, imagine that's verse one. So when I say, hey, father, create in me a clean heart, you know, Lord, you know, my intentions, you know, my motivations, you know, my desires, you know, my, the ways I get distracted, Lord, I pray that you would purify each part of that, each part of myself. You see what I did there was I took this line, created me a clean heart, and then I thought about the ways that I desire that for myself and what that could look like. Or maybe the verse is like, I don't know where this would be, but it's definitely in scripture somewhere that talks about Jesus or God being our refuge. Thank you for being our refuge. And then you just start talking about the ways, you start talking to God about the ways that you felt his protection in your life. So you use the Psalms as a launching point for conversation. That would be a way of praying the Psalms. And so in that praying the Psalms, our attention is on God upward, but then the Psalms themselves invite us inwardly and outwardly uh, as we pray them. So that's one example of the way that we can set our attention upward. Another example is through contemplation prayer. Um, this is where you could sit with a verse of the Bible or read it out loud throughout your day. You could memorize it, you could recite it throughout your day, you could think about what it means, how it makes you feel, what did you learn about God, yourself or others through that passage. To meditate on the word of God, that is such a beautiful way to set your attentions on God is through memorization of scripture. So you might, uh, a famous one that, that people have uh, prayed for sure is, um, what's it called? Jesus Prayer, which is uh, Son of David, 
Oh no, I'm gonna murder it. That's not good. Uh, let me, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. That is uh, reciting the gospels uh, where a man is crying out to the Lord. And it's been a, a, what he cries out is what many Christians have used as a way of connecting to the Lord in prayer, son of David, God, uh, son of David, Christ, <laughs> have mercy on me. Sorry, I'm murdering that prayer. But the point is, that's probably really not a great way of saying it. I'm not doing a great job expressing that prayer. But what I want you to think about when it comes to contemplation is contemplation is that. It's contemplating. It's sitting with a passage and reciting it out loud to the Lord or to be thinking about it or to, to ask yourself introspective type questions in what does this verse tell you about yourself, about God, or about others. That is a way of connecting to God through our attentions with sitting with a specific verse or passage of scripture. That's a very beautiful way uh, to pray. Another way to pray that's very similar to that would be a centering prayer. Now, if contemplation is contemplating, it's thinking about, it's reflecting on, centering, center prayer, centering prayers are not like that at all. Centering prayers are prayers where you just let that phrase or that word sit with you, and instead of trying to process it, you just say it, you just recite it. So this could be saying the Lord's Prayer or saying the Lord, Lord is my shepherd, you know, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And so throughout your day, when at maybe fixed times or random points of your day, you just have that thought and you just say, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And that is you just sitting with, centering yourself on a prayer, setting yourself on a verse of the Bible, a phrase of the Bible um, that can just help fix your attention. You know, often when I'm entering into silence or if I'm encouraging someone I'm walking with to enter into silence, uh, in a spiritual direction session, I'll say to them, just sit with a passage, sit with a word uh, for that time of silence, you know, maybe come Holy Spirit. And so for as you're in that minute, you just come Holy Spirit. And you just recite that you just sit with that you don't think about how it's impacting your life, you just let that verse almost wash over you. And again, it's scripture. So hopefully uh, for those who are scared about the explorative type prayers, I don't think this is that sketchy, so to speak. Uh, another way of praying, which has been practiced uh, for many years now, is Lectio Divina. Uh, this is a prayer where you essentially you read a passage of scripture. Now I want to be clear, I really would recommend only doing this in the Psalms and maybe a couple New Testament passages. I wouldn't do this in any passage of scripture because just like any good book, there's different genres and the Bible is 66 books with many different genres. And you wouldn't go to a song to learn about science, but you might go to a science book to learn about science. In the same kind of way, I would say Lectio Divina is a, is a really helpful way to pray. I would say more poetic type literature than it is to uh, maybe meditate or use as a way to ex um, connect with God through instructions. Um, yeah, so what is Lectio Divina? And you're like, maybe some of you might be like, why is he saying that? But maybe you'll understand once I say what it is. Essentially, what you would do is you would have your scripture in front of you, maybe a Psalms or, you know, something. I'll just stay with the Psalms that way it stays simpler. So let's say it's Psalm 7. I don't know what Psalm 7 is, but let's say it's Psalm 7. What you would do is you would you would invite Lord, right? Attention upward. So you say, dear God, fill this space, you know, 
protect me from the enemy, protect me from myself, like allow me to be refined and, and made new in your truth. And in that, then you would go into silence. And after a bit of silence, then you would read the scripture out loud. So you read Psalm 7 and you would read it once without thinking about it. Just say the words, read the words, recite the words, and then go into silence after you've read it. And then when you're in that silence, you're going to ask the Lord to highlight a verse or a phrase or a word uh, that's said within Psalm 7. And so then you're going to, after that silence, you'll read Psalm 7, Psalm 7 again. And in that time of reading, you're going to pay attention to a word or a phrase that, that just sticks out to you or that you're just, yeah, something just stands out to you, uh, in a word or a phrase. And then you'll go into silence. And then you'll read Psalm 7 again, but this time you'll read it and ask God why that phrase or what is it about that phrase that's important to you or why why that phrase essentially is what you were asked. And as you read that Psalm again, you'll then go into silence and you'll reflect on why, why what, whatever comes to mind of why that verse or why that phrase is sticking out to you. Then you'll go into, <laughs> you'll reflect on that, then you'll read it again and basically um, you'll, you'll ask the Lord, okay, what do you want me to do with this information? Like, what do you want? Why, why is this highlighted? And what can I do about it now? The final act is what can I do about it? And so then you will read it one last time. And then hopefully at the end of that experience, you'll have some clarity on both what verse or phrase highlighted to you, why it was highlighted and what God's inviting you to do about it. That would be the flow. Now, I've done this in groups. I've done this in, per, in my personal, like just private time with the Lord. It can be very helpful. Uh, I find personally for myself, if I'm using a journal, I find that a really helpful way to do that. And again, I would recommend respecting scriptures in the literature that it's in. And so I would say Lectio Divina is a great practice to do with anything that's poetic or like songs, those kinds of things. Um, that can be a really helpful way to engage with God and to have your attentions uh, be upward, inward, and outward. Well, if I haven't lost it yet, let's go into another one. Visio Divina. This is where you pick a gospel story and you read it and you imagine yourself being in this story. Especially now with technology, I would recommend just finding an audiobook or a recording of a specific story and listening to it. And as you're listening it, you're going to imagine yourself in that story. You're gonna ask yourself this question, where am I relative to Jesus? Who are you in this story? Where is Jesus? What, it's like, what is it like to see him? What might he be trying to say to you through this? Um, and, and essentially this is a way of entering into a passage and allowing the Holy Spirit to kind of, I guess, create space for you to connect to God and to have a conversation with him that's directly related to or exposed through a specific event that happened within scripture. Now, some of you might feel sketched out by that, but what I would like to argue to you is that if you listen to any pastor in the Western society that is an Orthodox Christian, often what they will do when they talk about a story about Jesus in the gospels is they're going to describe it in length to you in a way that's descriptive to invite you to imagine what it's like to be there as a way of helping you encounter the truth of that passage. 
That is essentially what Visio Divina is doing. You're imagining yourself within a passage and from that place having a conversation with the Lord. This is what pastors do in their preaching. So why wouldn't we do this in our own time with the Lord? And to be honest, this is what monks and all sorts of monastic movements and there's all different expressions of faith that within the Christian realm that have done this for many years. And so I do think it's a legitimate way of praying and it's a legitimate way of connecting with the Lord. Now, if you remember when I said, why is prayer important? The deeper part, why is attention important? The deeper part of that conversation was to say that God's attention is towards us. Now, one of the ways that I think we can connect to God in prayer is through silence. This is where you sit before God and you are silent. <laughs> Go figure. It's kind of self-explanatory. It's probably one of the most simple things to describe and yet one of the most hardest things to practice. And this is where you just be still with the Lord. You sit in silence. You know, sometimes what can be helpful for some people is to recite uh, that verse that says, uh, be still and know that I am God. And what you do is you just enter silence like, and you just say, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Be. And you kind of like cut the verse in that way. And it's just a way of kind of slowing yourself down and being still before the Lord. Silence can be extremely helpful because for one, prayer is connection. It's a conversation. It's communing with the Lord. And that's a two-way street. And if we're the only ones talking, that might be a problem. And so silence is a way of just having that spent time with the Lord and in really uh, being able to connect with Him in a different way. I don't think silence is the only way that we connect to God. I don't think it's a superior way, nor do I think it's an insignificant way to connect with God. But I do absolutely believe it's an important way uh, to slow ourselves down to slow our bodies down and to be able to have greater awareness of God and His presence in any given moment. Another way of setting our attentions is through liturgy, which is what we've already talked about at length throughout this video. But that's another way to have something that actually gives you focus. It gives you something to read out loud that helps set your attention and expression to the Lord in prayer. So, so we, just to go quick overview, is we've talked about attentions upward, inward, and outward through the Lord's prayer. And practical ways that we can set our attentions upward would be praying the Psalms, contemplation, centering prayers, Lectio Divina, Visio Divina, silence in prayer, and liturgy. So what are some of the benefits if we were to try to uh, implement these things within our prayer life? I think that different seasons require different ways of connecting to God. Walter Brueggemann has a great book called Praying the Psalms, and it is so helpful. And in that, he says that the Psalms reveal a core aspect to the spiritual journey which is that we are all in this state of, of, we're all in different states at different points in time in our journey. And he likes to talk about these states through the language of uh, orientation, disorientation, and reorientation or renewed orientation. 
And essentially it's this idea that, you know, there's points in our life with the Lord where we are stable with God and we're so grateful for the stability and the security that we have in the Lord. These are the Psalms where they're like, God, you are so faithful, you are so loving, you are so holy, you are so good, you are so just. These are the stable prayers. These are the prayers in which we get to rest in the stability and the security of the Lord. But if you keep reading the Psalms, you'll discover that there's other Psalms where it's like, Lord, you don't, you, I don't see your stability. I don't feel safe. I don't feel heard. I don't feel like there's justice in this moment or in this experience. The enemies are coming in and this is how I'm feeling within this experience. And these are the prayers that he would define, uh, Walter Brueggemann would define as disorientated. It's when the stability is no longer within our appearance or within our experience. And in these prayers, we connect to God through expressing the anguish, the emotions, the distress that we have in any given moment within those circumstances. And in that, we call God to account. We say, you are just, then why is this happening? We actually bring those emotions, those questions, those thoughts to the Lord in disorientating prayers. But what ends up happening is if you keep reading the Psalms, you'll find out other ones where they'll say, Lord, we saw your faithfulness through this horrible time. You protected us. You provided for us. You healed us. You delivered us from our enemies. Thank you, Lord. Great is your faithfulness. And these types of prayers, these types of Psalms are after the storm. They're after the the season of disorientation. And then they create this reorientation where they thank God for the experience they had through the valley or through the oppression or distortion. And so what Walter Brueggemann would say is that our journey with the Lord, our journey with Jesus is found in all three of those stages. It's not that the goal is to get to reorientation. For every orientation, actually is a reorientation. In other words, this isn't a cycle or, or a stages. This is a cycle. This is something that we all go through. And so there different points in time, there's different ways of connecting to the Lord. And so I think one of the benefits of practicing any of those things that we talked about is that it allows us to connect to God where we are in any part of our journey it gives us the permission and hopefully the discernment to be able to discern where we are whether we're in this place of stability whether we're in this place of instability or renewed stability it gives us an ability and it creates a space for us to commune with god uh, where we are so when we set our attentions it allows us to be centered on uh on our uh, on the lord that, I don't know why that, that, that came out weird, but I think you get what I'm saying. A practical thing I would love for you to reflect on is to ask yourself, when you pray to Jesus, if you do pray to Jesus, what is your attention on? And I think this is actually why upward, inward, and outward can be a really helpful way to uh, examine your own prayer life. Is to say, when I pray to the Lord... Um, are my prayers always upward? In other words, am I always saying like, thank you, God, praise you, Lord, and identifying different characteristics of God and acknowledging those things to the Lord and thanking him for the ways that he's shown up in our lives? Um, You know, those are upward prayers. Is that mainly how I talk to the Lord? 
Um, or is it more inward? Is it like, Lord, help me here, and, and this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm desiring, this is what I'm dreaming of, this is what I, these are my relationships, and these are what's going on, and, and you know, this is the situations that I find myself in. And you know, basically what I'm saying is you can use upward, inward, and outward as a way of describing and defining and kind of evaluating the prayer life that you have with the Lord, and I think that can be really helpful. Not to say that you need to do one or the other, or that there's some sort of balance, but just to even maybe recognize what season of life you're in. Maybe you are in a stable place, so a lot of it is upward. Maybe you are in a place of chaos, and so a lot of it is outward and inward. Or maybe you are in this renewed place where it's upward, inward, and outward because you've seen his faithfulness through a certain circumstance. None of those things are wrong or better than the other, though experientially they can definitely feel it's really great to be on the stable or the renewed stability. It's very hard to be in the disorientation but none of them reflect God's opinion about you. You know, he's already made up his mind. He loves you. Uh, I hope you know that. And, uh, and so from that place then, uh, the upward, inward, and outward can be a way of helping us uh, examine where we are in any given moment. So to conclude this section of our conversation, prayer is connecting to God through our intentions by setting our attentions upward, inward and outward in any given moment that we find ourselves in now you might be asking yourself okay josiah so so far we've said what is prayer it's connection through intentionality right structured or spontaneity and then when we are structured or when we're spontaneously what do we do in that moment we set our attentions upward inward and outward uh, but then what do we do with what we discover? What do, what do we do when we feel this anger or this sadness or this joy or this fulfillment or this peace or this serenity or, you know, all the emotions that we can experience or all the thoughts that we can have in any given moment, in any given situation? How, what do we do with it? Well, what I would argue what we do with it is we express it to the Lord. That's what we do with it. So this final section that we're going to talk about is expression. What does expression mean? Why is it important? And how do we do it? And this is where I would say we're going to get into a whole lot of practical things. Um, and if you've been with me thus far, uh, I hope it's been helpful, but we're going to continue this in a moment. So if prayer is connecting to God through our intentions, attention, and expression on the pillars of humility and honesty, all wrapped within the mercy and the love of God, what do I mean when I say expression? This is where we're going to finish this conversation on prayer. <laughs> so to put simply, what comes in must come out. If I were to describe the importance of expression in prayer, I would do that through the image of an espresso shot. Now, I, am a, I work at a coffee shop, so this is probably where this image is coming from. Um, so forgive me if it's not helpful, but hopefully it will be for you. Um, essentially, what I'm saying is this. If I were to drink a shot of espresso at work, whether I am conscious of it or not, I have just consumed something that is going to give me energy. And that energy will, now that it's within me, it has to come out of me. How it comes out of me depends on what I'm doing. And I can be conscious of that or I can allow my automatic response to uh, live out that energy, if that makes any sense. 
And so if I were to take a shot of espresso, no matter what, that energy that's in me will come out of me. So in the same way, I believe that different points in time within our day in any given moment carries different points of energy, if you will. And the importance of expression is that expression allows us to become more aware of both the energy that we intake and the energy that we output in any given moment. Uh, Again, I know that this is probably not a helpful image for some people, but I'm doing my best here. So if we are to look at this through the lens of energy of inward and outward, then what I would say is that to not express to God the things that are within us or around us is to live in a way that is automative or subconscious. In other words, it's a very reactionary way to live. In the same way that if I were to drink a shot of espresso, that energy is in me. If I were to not be conscious of that, I would just do whatever I do and that would get exploited in any given moment. Where if I'm conscious about that, I can actually use that as a strength or as a way of um, doing something beneficial for myself or for the people around me. I think to not express to God in prayer the things that are in us or around us is to live a reactionary life. And that is a way that um, ultimately isn't helpful for ourselves, for God, or for anyone around us. So what does expression really look like in any given prayer? I think expression looks like slowing down and paying attention to what's going on, the energy sources of our life. It's being able to sit down and to reflect with the Lord the way we are being influenced and the influences that we're having within our life internally and externally. So I want you to remember that piece. Uh, Internal and external are all part of expression. We're expressing to God our internal world and our external world. So through examination, through expression comes examination. Sorry. Through expression comes examination. We get to examine what matters most to us and what matters most to God. We discover where we are, what we are, and how we are being formed and reformed by the world around us, but also by the Holy Spirit as we express these things. So in my estimate, if you're looking for a scriptural example, which would be a good thing to do, um, on what what happens when we don't express things to God, when we allow our, our lives to live reactionary, is that we live a life that the Bible would use this image of living asleep. You know, there's people who are alive and there's people who are dead, even though they're still living. You know, Jesus will say to the, to the crowds and to the disciples, you know, those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. Even though all of them that he was speaking to had eyes and ears, there was some sense of blindness or awakenness to something. I believe that when we express things to the Lord, we become more awake to ourselves and to him and to those around us. So I do think that expression is really important because to not express is to live our lives asleep. It's to allow our shots of espresso, if you will, to just pour out of us that energy in any given way, in any given situation, as opposed to being honest about the ways in which the life around us is being impacted. So expression is important because it wakens us to any present moment that we find ourselves in.
if expression in prayer is expressing to God all that is within us and around us in any given moment, how do we do this? This is going to be probably the most practical episode if you've been watching this in three segments um, than that we've done so far. So what are the ways that we can express to God? There are so many ways to express to God. If you remember earlier on, uh, again, I don't know if you're watching this in parts or the whole thing at the same time, but we talked about the Psalms being the prayer book of the people of God. And in that we see expression all over the place. We see expression manifesting itself through the people of God describing to the Lord both the situations that they're going through, so the the outside reality of their life, but also the internal reality of their life, the way in which the outside is impacting their internal life. You know, the emotions, the thoughts, the doubts, the fears, the dreams, the desires, all these different things that we've been talking about throughout all these episodes, these are the things that we get to now express to the Lord. So not only do we become aware of it, through setting our attentions inward, upward, and outward, we now actually bring God into these things through our words and through our actions in any given moment of prayer. And so what are the ways that we can do this? Well, there's so many, and I'm excited to kind of walk you through these different ways of praying. Again, it's been a while now, especially at this point of the episode, so this is not an exhausted list. However, this is me exploring these many different ways that have been uh, explored throughout history of the church. And so hopefully one of these things or many of these things can be helpful for you. I'm gonna begin with a very simple example, and that is the example of expressing to God in confession. So in confession, we are expressing to God and asking for forgiveness. We're naming the places of darkness that are within us or around us and asking God to bring healing and forgiveness and love in these places to make us more whole or to allow us to feel a wholeness or unity with the Lord. So confession is a, is a way of expressing to God um, in prayer. You know, we see this in the Lord's Prayer, of course, when it says, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive others who trespass against us. So this is the prayer of confession. On that note, there's a prayer of relinquish. A prayer of relinquish is a prayer where we say we are going to forgive someone uh, for what they've done to us. That is the forgive others as we forgive ourselves. In other words, if you've been hurt by someone in any given situation, uh, the, one of the steps towards forgiveness uh, or having a right relationship with that person is to actually bring that person to God in prayer. So let's say um, my wife, Carolee, let's say I hurt her and it's unfortunate, like whether, like not, not like in an abusive way, but just in the reality of relationship. Like I said something hurtful or I didn't do something or I did something in the wrong way and I hurt her. Kara Lee in that moment or later on sometime can go to God in prayer and say, God, I forgive Josiah for what he's done for, to me. And then maybe I'll come to her and say, hey, I'm really sorry, I screwed up. And because she's connected to God about the situation, she's forgiven me in prayer. She, it's, it's almost like an easier way for her to then forgive me in that moment. And so in the same way, she prayed this prayer that released me of the burden that I caused her to use that example. 
So a prayer of relinquish or a prayer of letting go is to say, I'm going to release this person. It's not to say what they did was valid or or right or justified. It's just to say, I'm going to release myself from the energy, if you will, of that situation towards how it impacted me or how it impacts me uh, moving forward in that relationship. Another example of uh, expressing to God is through the prayer of examine. Now, if you remember earlier on in one of the episodes, I said that at night, uh, my final walk with the dog, I tend to do this. And so I'm not going to get into the history of it or where it comes from. You're just going to have to trust me or Google it yourself. Um, probably down the road, I'll do a video myself, a little bit of a deep dive on the prayer of examine because I find it incredibly helpful. But for this sake of this part of this video, I'm just going to go into the uh, practical way that I translate it in my own life. Many people do it in many different ways. This is just my own take on it. So what I tend to do is on my final walk with, with my dog by myself in the neighborhood that I live in, I'll go for a walk and I'll say, I'll start my attentions upward. I'll say, Father, you know, fill this place, protect me from anything within me or around me that's not of you. Lead this time, help me to recall the things that I need to recall and to let go of the things that I need to let go of. And then after I say something along those lines, then I reflect on my day and I reflect first on the ways that I have felt disconnected to God in that day. Maybe it was through uh, something I did to someone or something I experienced or something that happened to me, but I'll go through my day and just reflect on any significant points of the day where I felt disconnected to God. Maybe I said something rude or I was unintentional or I should have, I felt like I should have done something, but I didn't, or I just felt blah, or I felt angry. Not that angry is a sin, but I just mean as in, I, I had rage, whatever it may be. I reflect on any of those moments and I literally bring those things to the Lord in prayer. So I reflect, so I've addressed to God and then I think about those moments, I replay those moments and after I replay those moments in my mind, I then say, Lord, I ask for forgiveness, so I confess and then I release, relinquish is the fancy term. So I confess and release. Um, so I confess what happened and I ask for forgiveness and then I release it to the Lord and I thank him for the forgiveness that I have in Jesus Christ. And as I do that, then as I get to the end of all those things, I confess, I release, and then I ask the Lord, when did I see you today? When did I participate in your kingdom? How did I feel connected to you? And this could be in so many different things. It could be maybe I was generous to someone and no one saw me give someone money, but the Lord did. And I reflect on that moment or maybe in a conversation I was patient or kind or, or loving or you know, maybe I helped someone or maybe there's all sorts of ways that we can feel connected to the Lord. Maybe it was the way that the breeze hit me or the way the sunrise was that morning or the sunset or a conversation I had with my wife or a friend or a stranger. There's so many different ways to recognize God's presence uh, in, in our day. And so as I reflect and replay those things to the Lord, at the end of that time of reflection, I thank God for those moments and I release them. I release them to him. I say, Lord, thank you for those moments. And I, they are a gift that all I want to bring back to you. And then I end my day. And what this prayer of examine has done is it's allowed me to have a way of examining my day through the lens of connection and disconnection, but ultimately in a, in, in the circle of connection because I'm addressing it to the Lord. This has helped me so much in becoming more aware of God's presence in any given day. I'll have a good moment now and I'll be like, oh, I'm going to think about this when I go on my walk with the Lord tonight. 
or I'll have a bad moment and I'll be like, man, I blew it. And I know that this is definitely going to get brought up tonight when I walk with Jesus to be dealt with. And what I, what I found is that my awareness of God and my experience of his presence and my experience of his love and his forgiveness has been so much more um, actualized in my daily walk with the Lord because of this prayer of examine. And so I've, I, that's why we're spending a little bit there because I do think this is such a helpful way of uh, practically expressing to God in prayer. So another way of doing this is the prayer of thanksgiving or praise. This is like in the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? This is praising God for who he is. So in prayer, we can actually acknowledge, God, you are faithful. God, you are good. Maybe you use the names of God that have been described throughout scripture, you know, Jira, or, or there's all sorts of names. You can Google them through uh, scripture and, and the names of the Lord. And you just acknowledge God. You just say these things out loud like, God, you are faithful. You are merciful. You are just. You are beautiful. You are loving. You are kind. You know, there's all sorts of things we can praise the Lord for. And we also can praise Him through expressing gratitude, for thanking Him for being in our life, for thanking Him for the way that He's demonstrated His faithfulness. You know, the Psalms, again, this is where I want to stay there, is the Psalms express things in detail. You know, when Israel was delivered from the Egyptians, they thanked Him specifically and they named the deliverance they experienced. And so in prayer, through expression, we can thank God and we can praise Him. We name his characteristics, and we name the situations in which we've seen his character be revealed. We praise him. This can be through worship, through music, through uh, worshiping him at a church service where we're singing and, and praising his name, or this can be in private when we just like go on YouTube and we're on our own and we put on a worship song or we listen to it, or maybe you're a musician and we you literally physically play the music yourself. But prayer and praise are a beautiful way of expressing to God in prayer. Another way you can do this is through creative expression. Maybe you're a painter, maybe you're a builder, maybe you're an artist, maybe you're uh, a poet, you know, and, and actually you can express to God a lot through many different creative forms. And I think those can all become forms and ways of connecting to God in prayer through expressing, you know, maybe it's through something tragic or maybe it's through something triumphant or maybe it's through something in between through photography, through writing a song, through all sorts of ways to creatively express to God the things that are going on within us or around us. Um, yeah, there's many creative ways to express uh, to God in prayer. Another way of expressing to God in prayer, another ways of expressing to God is through intercession. That's the Christian fancy way of saying you pray for others. <laughs> you pray for the, the people around you, the relationships you have, the friendships you have, the family members that you have, the, their job that you have. You pray for people. You pray, you pray for their wealth. You pray for their health. You pray for their flourishment. You pray for hope. You pray for love. You pray for their awareness of God to, to be there, to show up in their life. And, and, you know, obviously you can pray to God for people to have healing, to, for people to have um, experiences uh, with Him. There's all sorts of ways to pray for people. You know, uh, the scriptural example for this would be in James. Uh, he in, At the end of his letter, he says, you know, for those who are sick, bring them to the elders, bring them to the people in the church and lay hands on them, anoint them with oil, and they will be healed, right? So we are invited to bring God into these spaces. We're invited to intercede, to to pray for uh, for those interventions. 
this is both for our actual social life, but it's also for the global world that's going on around us. You know, we pray for nations, we pray for cities, we pray for um, all sorts of things. And so intercession um, is definitely a legitimate way of praying uh, for others. This is where in the Lord's Prayer, you see Jesus inviting us to say, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is a prayer of intercession. That is saying, Lord, let your will be done. Let your ways become ours. You know, that is a beautiful prayer and a beautiful way of expressing to the Lord um, in prayer. So that that's definitely legit, <laughs> of course. Another way of praying, and you see this in the Lord's Prayer as well, is the prayer of deliverance. Now, I want to camp here for a second. In Throughout history, there's uh, been an understanding within uh, mainstream church that there's three th threats to the soul. And those three threats are the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, put simply, the world is the culture. It's the moving force of, of, souls, of society. It's moving in a specific direction. And, and it's trying to form us and inform us and transform us. Now, depending what part of culture or what part of society we are in will depend on what narratives and what formation is actually occurring. And in that, we, uh, uh, many Christians have believed that the world will try to lure us in any shape, way, or form away from connecting to the Lord, away from following Jesus. And so this is a threat to our relationship with God. And, and so we need deliverance from that. Another example would be uh, the flesh. This is the, the world within us. This is, this is uh, our own carnate desires. This is our own fleshly. Um, there are things that are drawn within us that are not of God or not in conducive to connecting with the Lord. You know, this is Adam and Eve in the garden given to, to, uh, given the choice of what fruit they're going to eat from and they choose the fruit that the Lord says to abstain from. You know, that is that's the temptations that we have in our life. You know, there's so many things within us that are wooing us away from connecting to God. You know, and then there's the devil. You know, there was a uh, there there is a real I believe in a real devil, and I believe in demons, and I do believe there are forces in this world that go beyond just humans that are also seeking to distract us and destroy us and disconnect us from the Lord. And so, in prayer, you know, the final prayer, the final line in the Lord's prayer is deliver us from the evil one. You know, Jesus is acknowledging this and encouraging us and and, 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 and uh, inviting us to pray for deliverance. You know, he's telling us we need to pray for deliverance. This isn't just for the beginning Christian. This is for all people, no matter where you find yourself in your walk with the Lord. So I'd be remiss to not describe this as a way of expressing to God in prayer. And so what can this practically look like? What is a prayer of deliverance? A prayer of deliverance is to, to pray for the grip, the power, or control of any and all these things, the world, the flesh, or the devil, to no longer have its place in our life or those around us. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That, to me, is a, uh, the way. There's many ways within this, of course, but that would be a practical way to express to God um, in any given moment uh, the, the prayer of deliverance. Another fun way to pray is to pray in tongues. Nothing like another uh, potential controversial conversation, but I, I'm I'm here for it. So to pray in tongues from a from a, from one interpretation, you could say that when Paul describes uh, speaking in tongues, well, maybe I should start with what is tongues. 
So to pray, how do you describe tongues? Tongues are speaking an unknown language to God in prayer. If you're if you're new to the walk and you're like, what does that mean? I yeah, that's all I got for you. Prayer is a heavenly language. It's speaking. It's like speaking English, but it's gibberish to you. Um, that's what praying in tongues is, and yet it's something that is legitimate and that has been legitimized in 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 the walk with the Lord. Um, now, does everyone have the ability to pray in tongues? That's a whole different conversation that I'm not wanting to have in this moment. But what I do want to recognize is praying in tongues is a legitimate way to express to God in prayer. And so praying in tongues looks like, well, if you have the gift, it looks like speaking uh, this unknown language to you uh, in private to the Lord. And Paul actually, he spoke in tongues, uh, the writer of the New Testament, uh, a lot of the New Testament. And he describes tongues as being something that builds us up. In other words, tongues is about intimacy with God. And so if you have that gift or if you're curious about that gift, um, I would really encourage you to pray to God in tongues and that in that prayer to God in tongues, you are actually trusting that God is filling that moment through the Holy Spirit and empowering you uh, in, in, in any given way, in any given moment. Now, if you've been watching this video, you know there are so many ways to connect to God. This is not the only way. I know people who pray in tongues who are not, <laughs> how do I say that nicely? You can be a jerk and pray in tongues, okay? So praying in tongues cannot isn't the answer to walking with God, but it absolutely is a legitimate way to connect to God, but it's not the only way to connect. It's legitimate, but it's not the only way uh, to connect to God. And so again, I wanna say that tongues is legit and that there is, and in it, there's a way to connect to God and it builds intimacy with the Lord. And it's a very beautiful gift um, but it's not the only way to connect with God, uh, but it certainly is a good way to. Another way to pray is with our body. Now this is in scripture, so I'm going to bring it to you in that way. You know, in the Psalms and in other places, you will see that people kneel before the Lord. They bow their head. They prostrate themselves, which is a fancy way to say they lay down. They literally face down, lay down, and they pray. And so that's how they physically posture themselves in prayer, you know, or they open their palms as a way of saying, I'm here to receive or, you know, you'll see different people in scriptures talk about dancing before the Lord where they're celebratory. They're, um, it's a really beautiful way to pray. And so I want to say that you can absolutely pray to God through your body, through opening your palms, through bowing your head, through kneeling, through laying down flat, through dancing. These are all beautiful and I believe legitimate ways of connecting to God through our body. Another way to pray is through what's called the prayer of lament. These are expressing to God our, our grief, our experiences of loss, anger, frustration, hurt, pain, feelings of insecurity, all these doubts, these questions that we may have. We bring these things to the Lord in prayer. We name them, right? If the Psalms is the prayer book of the people of God, you see them naming both the situation and then describing how it makes them feel towards God, towards themselves, and towards others. And that is a legitimate way to connect to the Lord. And so I would encourage you, if you haven't, to, to try that. To If you're going through something difficult or if you've lost someone that you love, do not be afraid. And I know it's hard to be honest and it's hard to allow yourself to experience those emotions and that grief. It's heavy. It is. Um, but we are invited to by God to bring those things to Him. 
and and he will meet us in those places he comforts those who mourn which means you can't be comforted unless you mourn and so maybe someone listening to this just needs to start mourning and that that might be a step for you another way that we express in prayer is we pray in community with community and for community you know even the lord's prayer it says our father it's not my father it's our father so prayer is absolutely something that can be done in private but it also can be done in public uh, with the people of God, with the church. We can pray in community. The early church prayed together. You know, they prayed upwardly, inwardly, and outwardly for many different things. You know, even an example, well, yeah, there's an example where some people in Acts, like they're stuck in prison, and it says that when they miraculously God intervened, which means God answered the other people's prayer that he would intervene, and when they come to the door, it says that they were praying for them. And that's such a beautiful picture that we get to pray with community, for community, and in community and that is absolutely a beautiful opportunity that we get to have i really encourage that if you have um if you're if you have a partner uh that you're married to and they're christians and you're walking with them to pray in your marriage is so important it's so important um and with brothers and sisters that you walk with prayer is a powerful thing to to do together you know we we yes we pray alone and we can we can do all the things that we've talked about um but but to pray in community, with community, and for community is, is something that is incredibly important and incredibly uh, sacred and helpful and, and special. Now, the next group of prayers, I would say, are harder to find directly in Scripture. However, I do not think that they are illegitimate or illegitimate ways of praying. I will say they are ways of praying that I would caution you to practice. I've seen these types of prayers or these types of ways of connection being really misused and um, just not great, to be honest. However, I also have seen these prayers and these ways of praying to be really helpful and beautiful and in, in participation in the flourishment of someone's relationship with the Lord. And so I would be remiss to not talk about these ways of prayers. However, I also want to describe and express before I do this that you know this, this goes into hearing from God, which is a whole other deep dive that I'm sure we'll get into, God willing, one day on this page. But... To put it shortly, everything needs to be discerned. If we are hearing from the Lord, we need to discern that. And I think there's processes and there's methods in which we get to discern uh, whether or not this is God or not. If you are someone who says, this is God no matter what, and you're firm on that and someone around you is that, I have questions around that because I think you can see in the New Testament examples of them discerning with each other what is of God and what's not. For example, every false teacher that's being uh called out of in the new testament is being someone who's claiming jesus and teaching jesus but is actually doing it in false ways and so there's this discernment there's this there's this need for us to discern whether someone is hearing from god or not and what what they're teaching aligns with uh with the lord or not and so i want to be clear about that because these next ways of praying are very subjective and can be very dangerous if they are not submitted to a discerning process. Put simply, a discerning process can look like, does this contradict anything that's said in scripture, what Jesus talks about? 
Am I submitting what I'm learning about God through this process to a community that's willing to call me out on ways in which this might not actually be helpful? Is there other people in history that are followers of Jesus that have also experienced or heard similar things? And then does this experience bring me closer to God or farther away from God? That is rough questions. Again, I I don't want to spend more time in this than I need to, but those are questions that I think are really important for discernment that I will explore farther in a different episode. But for now, I want to say these are more explorative ways of connecting to God that are needing discernment. So please don't just do this blindly. You've been warned. I've expressed. I feel like that's all I can do. So now we're going to talk about imagination, formational healing prayer, body prayer, and journaling in prayer. Now, part of the reason why I say these are uh, more explorative is just because there isn't explicit examples of these things in scripture. That's why I'm saying we need to be careful. So let's go through imagination prayers. (laughs) That sounds probably worse than it is. So, uh, you know what? Let's not start there. Let's start with journaling prayer. Yeah, that makes more sense to me. So journaling prayer. Obviously, writing and and having the ability to write is not something that's been done for the last 2000 years. That is a relatively new invention that is accessible for a lot of different people. And even still, it's not accessible to everyone. So that's why that's why I'm just saying to be careful with this. But at the same time, I do believe that journaling can be incredibly helpful, especially when it comes to slowing down, being contemplative, being introspective, looking inward, um, being expressive. You know, these are really beautiful ways to do that can be done through prayer. So I think that prayer um, journal prayers are really important or not really important, but well, can be important, but also just can be really helpful. So. Here's a way I would describe this. So what you could do, you don't have to, but what you could do is instead of writing a diary, like dear diary, this is what I'm going on. You say, Father, I want to invite you into today. And then what you do is you write out what happened. Give your, give the Lord one specific moment and you write out in detail what happened as far as you recall it. Then once you write out the detail, then you're going to write, how does it make you feel? How did it make you feel towards the people that were in it? towards yourself and towards God. You're gonna write those things out. Then you're going to ask God where he was in that moment or ask him what he felt towards that moment and then you're gonna write out what comes to mind. Again, you wanna be careful because obviously it's you writing it and so I'm not talking about channeling into something. If we as followers of Jesus, and I understand some of us followers of Jesus don't believe this, but if we believe the Holy Spirit is within us, if the law has been written on our heart, then that also means that the Holy Spirit can speak in us and through us. And this is a way for us to connect to God in that way of reflection. Again, whatever we think God is and saying or feeling or whatever towards it needs to be discerned, but it no longer, it doesn't mean that it's not legitimate or that it cannot be legitimate. So I do think that journaling is a great way to pray and it's very helpful if you have access to that uh, within the discerning process and the commitment to discern whether or not it was God or not. So I think writing out our prayers is a great way to contemplate it, to be silent towards it and to sit with it with the Lord, but also to hear from the Lord. I think journaling can be really helpful. Another way of praying is with 
Uh, formation. Oh, which one should I do next? I'm going to go using your imagination. Again, this is going to be, you know, explorative. So what you could do with your imagination is this. You can sit in a quiet place and ask the Lord for protection, right? What are the threats like we talked about? The world, the flesh, the devil. So you'll, you say, Lord, protect me from all three of those things, including myself. Help the like Holy Spirit fill this space. Sanctify my imagination. And after you pray that prayer of protection, then you're going to imagine in your mind a safe place. Now, this could be you sitting by a water. It could be a place that you've been to or a place that you imagine in your mind that just feels peaceful. But you're going to imagine a peaceful place. And then from that place, you're going to picture yourself there. And then you're going to invite Jesus to join you in that place. And so as you invite Jesus into that place, then you're going to have a conversation with the Lord in whatever's going on in your in your life. I don't know, sometimes Jesus might say something to you, sometimes you might need to say something to the Lord, and, um, and it's just a really beautiful way to connect to God. After you have that experience, I really recommend to write down what that experience was like for you. Um, not only so that the things that are of God can remain, but also because like I said, it requires discernment. And so if you're gonna use your imagination in prayer, we need to commit ourselves to discerning whether or not it was God that we encountered because there is definitely other ways and other things that we can encounter if we're not careful. I recognize too that if you are familiar with trauma interventions, this is a way that people actually experience healing in trauma intervention where they picture a safe place and they invite a safe person to come into the spot with them and then they have conversations and whatever else. So I do recognize that there is other practices uh, in the world that are not inherently quote-unquote Christian that that do this and I don't think that that means that we shouldn't do this as Christians in the same way that I'm using technology right now to film this video to record it and to do you know my notes on my laptop and all this jazz uh, does that mean I shouldn't do any of those things no but I think we have to be careful and mindful of the the ways that this can connect us to God and the ways that it can disconnect us to God and the ways it can be distracting and so I, I do though at the same time and I've experienced this personally and I've seen this uh, in different interactions that I have uh, just the power of sanctified imagination within prayer I think that's enough enough there I know that that won't be for everyone but I definitely think that could be for someone now, this final way of prayer that I want to talk about, uh, I want to be another little cautionary note. I do not recommend doing this one alone, but with someone who's done this before or who has in a place of leadership that's been leading people through this uh, as well. So whether it be a spiritual director or a pastor who's gone through this process or who uh, has been taught how to lead people through this process. I don't think this one is as helpful as a solo trip, uh, but one that's meant to be guided. So with that being said, formational healing prayer. This is where you sit with God in a private place and you ask him to protect you. Like I said before, protection from the world, the flesh and the devil. And then you ask the Holy Spirit for your awareness to be of the spirit in this place. And then what you do is you recall a situation or a place of hurt that you experienced in your life. Maybe someone significant in your life spoke something horrible over you. Maybe there was something that was horribly done to you. Again, I wanna be really clear. Don't do this on your own. Please do this with someone that has experience with this way of doing something. It can be very damaging if you do not do this in the, 
with the help of others, followers of Jesus. So please just hear that again. So you're going to recall, you're going to recall this place of hurt, something that was said, something that was done in the past. And you're going to imagine that situation once again. And as you imagine that situation, you're going to then express to God how it made you feel what did it do to you? What did it cost you? What did this experience cost you? Maybe it cost you your innocence. Maybe it cost you your self-esteem. Maybe it cost you um, your joy. Maybe it cost you your trust. I don't know what it cost you, but maybe it cost you something. And you're going to express that to the Lord. And you're going to express the pain. You're going to lament. You're going you're gonna to describe in detail the way in which it made you feel or the way in which it impacted your life. And then as you express those things to the Lord, then you're going to ask God where he was in that circumstance and how he felt towards you within that circumstance. As you have that experience with the Lord, uh, I've seen this and I've experienced this myself. He may speak to you about this situation in a way that you hadn't seen it before, or he may just weep with you within the situation. And out of this can become a very powerful and healing and transformative uh, experience with Jesus that is legitimate. Uh, I recognize that this isn't going to be for everyone, but it could be for some people. And I would be remiss to not describe that as our way of connecting to God. Um, if you're wanting more information on that, you could go to uh, Terry Wardle. He talks about that. Um, healing care talks about that as well but you might need to be careful on what there might be other organizations that I don't know about that are called that um, but Terry Wardo he's a he's a, he's a guy who talks about this and again I'm not gonna necessarily condone or endorse every part of these things but I am just saying it is a way to express or to experience healing in prayer um, which also reminds me a prayer that I forgot to say that I definitely should say is praying for healing for people, physically, ailments. Oh, I did, I guess, in intercession. Um, but yeah, that, that's another way of expressing to God in prayer. So where are we in this conversation? Uh, well, I've said to you that this is not going to be an exhaustive list of ways of connecting God, but instead it's going to be an explorative one. So my hope is that if you've stuck with me through this episode or through these series of episodes, what you've discovered is the many different ways of connecting to God. Uh, there's not one way to do this. There are so many ways. And those ways reflect both the Lord's invitation for us to connect with Him over everything in our life, within us and around us. He cares and He desires to be in those spaces with us. He wants there to be connection. And because of what he has done, we are able to have access to the Father through the Son and by the Holy Spirit. And so I hope that you've been able to hear that uh, throughout every episode or throughout this episode specifically. Um, as we finish this part of the trail, as we get closer to the end of this episode, I want to... Um, basically kind of go over very quickly. I'm going to read it that way. I don't get off script. Um, so essentially imagine again, if we are on a trip, sorry, I should probably shouldn't have moved. Um, imagine we just were walking through the national park. Now we've come to the place where we're near the end of the walk, but somehow there's a view. I don't know how that works, but it is. 
and that view is overlooking where we've gone. That's what I want us to finish in. Uh, so we're asking this question, what is prayer? Simply put, prayer is connecting to God. But where do we go from here? Well, this is where we've gone. We've said that prayer is connecting to God. We begin by being intentional with our mind and our body through creating space to connect to God. We either have planned times within our day or we spontaneously connect to Him throughout our day. Once we are in that space, we set our attention upward through addressing God in prayer and then we set our focus inward, upward, and outward, expressing all the things that are within us and around us. Regardless of the way that we are connecting to God in any given moment, these prayers are held up on the pillars of humility and honesty. We are humans in need of help and there is a helper. We honestly are allowing God to see and to interact with all that is within us and around us. From silence in prayer to praying for the world around us, from from all the different ways that we've explored to express and to connect to the Lord in prayer. Ultimately, this is all wrapped up and formed in and out of and with and towards and because of the Father's love and mercy that has been revealed to each of us through Jesus Christ and made real to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we finish this episode, I would love for us to pray the way that Jesus himself taught us to. I'm going to first read uh, the ESV translation of the Lord's Prayer, and then we're going to finish with Eugene Peterson's translation. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, And forgive us of our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best. As above, so below. Keep us alive and with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and from the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're at a blaze in beauty. Yes, yes, and yes. Go in peace.